we've been reminded through God made just one um, that God loves us simply because we are us. However, um, we also turn to God's Word. This summer, we'll be studying the book of James. Uh, James is a unique book in the New Testament. It is a letter, as there are other letters, but it's often classified as the wisdom literature of the New Testament. It's a very practical, um, straight-to-the-point kind of letter that sounds almost more like, like, um, like it was a sermon that got written down later. And so we're going to be studying today just James chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, um, to get us into this particular book. And we'll be studying James throughout the summer. Uh, James is in the New Testament. Um, the book right before it is Hebrews, and so Hebrews is a little bit bigger. James is only five chapters, and so it can be easy to miss, and you'll end up in First and Second Peter. Um, so James, just those five chapters um, right there. But before we come to God's Word, as we study this opening section of the book of James, let's pray together for the blessing upon the Word. God, your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, breathed with life from you, that it is your word for us today. Lord, as we read the written word of the scriptures, may we encounter the incarnate word of your Son, Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. Help us to hear these words written thousands of years ago, fresh for us today breathed with living and active life from your Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Curious of those of you here, how many of you have ever run a marathon? There's a few hands here. Um, That's a little bit ambitious in my mind, and so I'm impressed that there's as many as there are. How many of you ever ran a 5K? Ooh, even more. How many of you have ever planted a garden and tended it through the summer and actually gotten something out of the garden at the end of it? Okay, good, yeah. Most hands remained, and a few that went down, we we won't shame anybody. How many of you have ever gone through well, just, I would say, a tough time, maybe a falling out with a friend or relative. How many of you were able to reconcile later? That's a tricky one, isn't it? 
James does not specify what kinds of trials we might face. But James does write in such a way as to say that trials will happen. Now, that's not to lessen the amount of trial that we face or the trouble that we will go through. But it is to remember that perseverance is one of the key words in this opening section. That James starts with this focus on, you know what, you're going to face hard times. And perseverance is a key to this. I think about perseverance being part patience, part endurance. Some of it's the active waiting in difficult circumstances. And also part of it is the ability to endure difficult times. Perseverance as patience and endurance. As long-suffering and a long-winded strength. Now I ask those opening questions about um, running a race or maybe building a building. We hope that in a, a week and a half, most of us can say that we helped build a building out in Camp Warwick. But each of those things took perseverance to train for. You don't just jump out of the bed and run a marathon without any previous training. You don't just get to throw seeds in a plot of dirt and say, well, I hope it turns into a garden and not spend time and effort and energy persevering in that garden to make sure that the fruit grows and has opportunity to take root, is protected from the weeds. You don't build a building by just throwing a couple two-by-fours in place and hope that it works out. It takes time and effort and energy. These things take perseverance, and we expect that they would. It's the same with our faith. It takes perseverance, and there are times where we have to work at it. Now, that's actually part of why this is a contested letter in the Reformation era, because some critiqued it for being a works righteousness book. But I don't think that is what James, the author, is getting at. He's not saying that your faith is your work because it was Jesus Christ who died upon the cross for our sins and for our salvation. Jesus did the work for us. But it is our call and our desire to maintain depth in our faith. And really, what James is saying is not that these trials are all easy. In fact, he expects them to be difficult but is saying that you'll learn something along the way. That wise people don't grow wise through the amount of years in life that were comfortable and good, but the wise people that we look up to and need wisdom from probably grew the most in their trials through what they faced and encountered that was difficult, what they persevered through and learned on the other side, where they learned wisdom through perseverance. And perhaps wisdom in the good times is simply just recognizing when things are truly good and that we give thanks to God for them. But the trials we face, whether it be something at school, something at work, a person in our life, or a circumstance or situation that makes us question, God, what are you up to in this? Times that leave us with relative uncertainty. These are the examples that James is talking about And although we can take it this way, I don't think this is meant to be a letter that says that you're bad and wrong for the times when you're not sure, for the times when you're curious, for the times when you're wondering, for the time that you do have a seed of doubt in your mind. It's not the very act of doubting that is the issue. It's the abandoning too soon. 
saying, you know what? I give. This gardening is too hard. It's for the birds, quite literally. We'll just leave it for the birds. Or if we went to Warwick and said, you know what? This building, this is really hard work. We're done. We're out. We'll just leave it. No finishing of the task. No perseverance to complete that which was entrusted for us to do. James is not out to paint a picture of God as one who pokes at us every time we hesitate, but rather as a letter of encouragement to know that you'll face trials, you'll face temptations, you'll have difficult times, you'll have relationships and circumstances that will cause you to wonder, God, what are you up to? The language in the Psalms gives us as much. That Jesus himself on the cross quoted a psalm in saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet Jesus remained on the cross until the work was done. And three days later rose again for our sins and for our salvation. This idea of perseverance should be a letter of encouragement, not as a fault-finding task. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, of all different kinds, consider it joy. Now, it's hard to do that in the moment. But the reasoning is because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Just like gearing up to run a long race means that you had to stick with it. You had to train. No one would expect you to not have to train. That James simply makes a similar case in terms of faith in the same way that the author of Hebrews reminds us that we get to throw off everything that hinders and run the race that is set out for us. But running a race takes perseverance. Continuing in the faith when things get difficult takes perseverance. Other examples that you've probably heard to to make this point talks about um, um, you borrowing from Jesus' language from the parable of the four soils. How easy it is for something to sprout up and grow and be exciting and then withers away because it didn't take root. James is not interested in professions of faith that have great things to say about our relationship with God until the slightest sign of difficulty makes us step away. James's encouragement is to persevere under trial. Think about a relationship When a relationship is new and fresh and young and exciting and you're just so in love and whether you're a no-you-hang-up, no-you-hang-up couple, although I guess that's dated now because it would be texting, right? But then what about that first disagreement? What about that first uncertainty? Is that the moment where we run? Or is it the moment that we stay and learn and embrace what's happening? We learn over time, not through fleeing, but through staying and enduring. A mentor of mine in faith once said that sometimes we get afraid that uh, if we think too much about our faith, we'll walk away from it. But his challenge instead was, no, it's not when we think too much. It's when we don't think enough. When we encounter a question, a circumstance that makes us wonder what God is up to, that if we run at the first sight of that, then perseverance and wisdom will never take their full rootedness, their full effect. Rather, do we stay? Do we stay and endure? And in so doing, build perseverance. To run a marathon, to run a 5K, you need to build up wind first. And this is the practice of Christian living. 
It's not a checklist that makes us feel bad about the things that we did or didn't do. But it is an encouragement to be maintaining your sense of faith. That your relationship with Christ should be something that you are rooted in. That you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Think about areas of immaturity that we had to outgrow. Maybe it was learning to control our tongue. There's a chapter in James just about that. Maybe it was learning that after we leave maybe a a family get-together or a work party, that we don't walk away obsessing over the meaning that we made about what someone said or didn't say and wondering if they like us or don't like us, that we needed to grow in maturity in those places, to be not lacking in anything. One of the words of comfort, especially to our graduates, is that this letter starts out by being addressed from James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes that are scattered among the nations. Now, this letter isn't written just to the Israelites. This is in the same way that the Apostle Paul in Romans and Galatians talks about, you are children of Abraham because you belong to God. This is in the same way the 12 tribes, now the 12 apostles, you belong to Christ through Christ's teaching that you embraced and that you have endured even through persecution and hardship. It's it's sent to all of us, scattered among the nations. And so as we consider what perseverance looks like, maybe the place to start is, what has you scattered right now? Because being scattered is not fun. To feel displaced, to feel maybe scattered geographically, I think Abby Phillips and Chance Brown have the record for who's going furthest away for Montana and Arizona to feel geographically scattered or far away from family. Maybe to feel spiritually scattered, uncertain, not quite able to get your grounding, your footing, your bearings. In those moments when we feel scattered, is the time that maybe we can't see what God is up to, what lessons we learn in the midst of trial. James says to consider it pure joy. Maybe the best way we can start that is to wonder, God, what are you up to right now? Where are you at in this? And maybe pay attention for what you're learning, although I would say most wise people that I've talked to would say you don't often see what you're learning in the trial until after you've gotten through it, or at least some distance from it. Because not all trials have resolutions on this side of heaven. But when we find ourselves in trial, when we need just perseverance to symbolically go out and pick the garden one more time, to pick the weeds out, to nurture what should be good and full of life and good fruit, when we have to push ourselves, not just you don't train and build endurance by doing what you already can do, but you have to stretch yourself a little bit further than what you did before to build endurance. And in faith, to take the edge of our comfort zone and go one step further to build perseverance so that it may finish its good work, not lacking in anything, mature and complete. But this letter written to all of us all of us who are scattered among the world, who believe in Jesus Christ, all of us who are scattered at different high points and low points of our walk in the faith, to all of us, we are addressed as brothers and sisters, part of God's family. You do not go through trials alone, nor are you meant to. 
even though the address is in the singular, that you can endure a trial, that you will grow in your faith and perseverance and wisdom and maturity. It's addressed to all of us as brothers and sisters together. When Pastor Audrey addressed our graduates, one of the things that she mentioned was there is a wealth of knowledge here on just some of the practical things of life. There are our, guiding, our guiders and our mentors, and we need these people. And often we have only but to ask. And God provides wisdom without finding fault to those who ask indeed. And so ask, or ask someone who to ask. But to not go through our trials alone. We don't always get to fix things. This is an age-old husband-wife debate on, I don't want you to fix it, I just want you to listen to me. Sometimes we just need someone to listen to what's going on. And maybe in that space we learn something even just by processing it out loud with someone that we trust. But this is the next part of James. When you ask for the wisdom that will be given generously without fault, God is not eager to withhold wisdom, but when we ask, when we need wisdom to understand what's happening, what are we learning, what is God up to in this moment, we're supposed to ask God, who gives generously, verse 5, to all without finding fault. God has lavished his love upon us. God gives generously with wisdom without fault. It will be given to you, says James, in the same way that when King Solomon at a young age was put in charge of the kingdom of Israel, he asked for wisdom, and it was given to him generously. But then verse 6 is maybe where we get tripped up. This is one of the verses from right off the bat that made this a controversial letter in the Reformation times, and there were people who wanted to take it out of the Bible. I'm glad they didn't. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. for They're double-minded and unstable in all they do. Once again, the doubt is not the hesitations or questions that we have. But this back and forth is that we don't stay and root ourselves where it is. And plus, the word for doubt, apocryn, um, well, we won't worry about the Greek, but it does mean that you are the judge of what is wise or not. When we ask God, do we also trust God in the asking that God will give generously? Do we take God at God's word that the wisdom that we ask for will be given generously? And do we wait? And do we pay attention to those around us who might have spoken the wisdom of God into us by their words and daily actions? This is the call of James to stay, to endure, to ask, and to trust that you will receive wisdom. Not necessarily an answer, not the one that you like, because we can't ask God for wisdom and say, no, I don't like that wisdom, and walk away. Rather, the example given here is being blown about and tossed by the wind, which reflects a lack of rootedness, a lack of ability to stay, to endure. This is to leave a relationship at the first sign of trouble. Although there are times when it's wise. Once again, we need wisdom to know when. But or to leave a job behind because the grass must be greener on the other side. Or to be stuck in a time of waiting and just assume, you know, it's been a couple hours and God hasn't answered my prayer. Therefore, I need to turn to something else. We have 
two people who graduated from medical school in our slideshow today. I know when we get prescriptions, it says to take a certain amount of dose this many times a day for this many days. And I didn't talk to Eric about or Ben about this ahead of time, but um, I wonder how many of us, we don't have to raise hands, how many of us are guilty of being like, you know what, I feel fine. I'm going to stop taking our medication. Even though it's said to keep going for a few more days, and then we have a relapse or something, I don't know, Eric, is this a source of frustration for doctors? Think of this with James. What James is getting at is when we're given a prescription, we say, you know what, I think I'm feeling good. We don't follow it to the end. We don't let it bring us to what would be considered in James's book of faith, the testing that produces perseverance, that finishes in maturity and completeness. We say, you know what, I feel fine now, so I'll stop taking it. And then we end up right back where we were. James is prescribing for us to take the prescription for the full amount of days, the correct dosage, all of the above, so that the doctors will be happy. And to remember that doctors don't prescribe us things because they don't like us. They prescribe us things because we are sick and we need treatment and we need to be made healthy again. God's desire is for our health and well-being. And sometimes that means taking a medicine for the full amount of days. Don't throw it away too soon. For our graduates who will be scattered about, for all of us, pay attention to what makes you feel scattered and wonder what your prescription is. And persevere within it, with patience and long-suffering, with endurance. And ask God for help in those moments. And you're not going through these trials alone. You're with the family of God, with your brothers and sisters. Ask God wholeheartedly and full-heartedly, whether it be the relationship advice that we need or, by analogy, the run that we take or the garden we plant or the building we build. Stay with it, with the family. No one's going to minimize your trials or no one should. Pay attention for what God might be teaching us in the midst of it. And remember that God seeks to give generously with great joy. James has a lot to offer. Sometimes it doesn't always feel very good. But it is the prescription that we were given. My encouragement, if you're looking for a devotional practice this summer, is we'll go through the book of James other than uh, next, next week, um, as Pastor Roger and I will both be gone. Consider what it would look like to, James has five chapters. They're not very long. I read slow. I can get through them quickly enough. Read the book of James once a week this summer. The whole book. One chapter a day, and that's even two days that are kind of catch days. Five chapters, one a day or maybe five in one day. Read the book of James in its entirety once a week this summer as a way to ground yourself in the wisdom of this. And I think when we read the whole book repeatedly, not just a word about chastisement for doubting, we get the bigger picture of what James is after, which is faithful and fruitful Christian living. Faith that makes an evidential difference in our lives. This is what James is after is the full prescription being taken for the right amount of days for your flourishing. Read it once a day 
And here, not a chastisement, but a desire for faithful Christian living, full of wisdom, that God gives generously without finding fault. Part of the prescription that we take as brothers and sisters in Christ is to come to the table regularly, almost like a checkup that we have to go to our doctor and see how we're doing, to be refreshed. We eat meals throughout the day because we need to be fed. One of the days in which we do that with physical reminders of God's grace and love for us is by coming around the table 